To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Yo, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So on today's podcast, I have back on my buddy Josh Jenny. Uh, Josh is just a, not just a, Josh is a blue-collar, do-it-yourself bow hunter. Uh, works hard at his job and being a good human being, good family man. Also works really hard at his hunting. Uh, he's got great insight into do-it-yourself uh, bow hunting the West. Uh, he's he hunts mule deer a lot he's got a couple elk tags this year we talk about that we talk about uh late season and and rigs and being prepared for conditions uh, we also talk about this sheep hunt where he committed to his bow and arrowed a sheep uh, just made for a, a fascinating conversation that i really enjoyed and i think you guys are going to enjoy it too I want to thank my sponsors for today's show. I want to thank Cryptech. Uh, Cryptech, I uh, started using them last season. I am so impressed by their gear offerings. I have the best backcountry setup I've ever had. Uh, they have absolutely everything to build your kit. So uh, my kit consists of that uh, Valhalla pants, and, and I love all their pants. They stretch with you. You're able to move with them. They're not restrictive. It's a great fit. Uh, but those Valhalla are a great set of pants. Uh, I also like their Sonoran shirt. So they have absolutely everything from early season all the way to late season. Part of that early season setup is a Sonoran shirt. So I'll be in Hawaii in some heat next week and I'll be getting good use out of that Sonoran shirt. It just breathes lightweight, has a good hood on it. A uh, great piece of gear. Uh, I'm also using the Sentinel pants. Um, so those are their puffy pants. Uh, this is a brand new item for them, and I'm really happy they made it. Uh, they're just a great set of pants. I've been using them for bear season. Really like them. Uh, they also have their Aris jacket. That's their puffy jacket. Uh, Tora jacket. That's their, their waterproof jacket. And they're using Scholar uh, waterproof fabric, which is just a, a, a great waterproof jacket. Um, also using their Dalibor vest. Uh, they just have a, a bunch of great gear, but that's kind of my kit that I've put together that I'll use pretty much all the way from early season to late season. If you're in the market for some new gear, make sure to check them out. I really like their uh, camo pattern, the Obscura Transitional. It's a good light-colored pattern for open country. I'll be using that a lot. I like that altitude pattern. Uh, it, it's got some, some darker colors in it, but it really blends in well with timber, with cover. In all the photos I look at of last year, I blend in perfectly with the terrain. So that altitude's a great camo pattern as well. So if you're in the market for some new camo, make sure to check them out over at Cryptech. I also want to thank Matthews. Um, Matthews builds the, the best shooting bows. I'm so impressed every year with what they come up with. Uh, the last five seasons have been unreal for me using this Matthews bow. And this year, using that V3X, that thing is an absolute shooter. Uh, I have that thing dialed in. In fact, uh, last night I was doing some long-range practice just to make sure my sight tape was all dialed in and um, just putting in some incredible groups for me. So uh, really impressed with everything that they're producing. 
forgiving bows. They keep a tune. They're durable. They have deep channels in their cam so it won't de-string. Uh, and, and once you set up a bow and, and get the tune in it, it just holds throughout the season. In fact, I can take last year's bow, shoot it through paper, and it's still just shooting an absolute bullet hole. And that's through the cold, through the heat changes, uh, just building amazing bows, and uh, these are a huge key to my success. So if you're in the market for a new bow, make sure to go check out Matthews. I also want to thank Swagger Bipods. Swagger builds bipods that are intuitive. They're well thought out, well designed. So they have all different heights, all the way from uh, bench rests to uh, a standing model. They have quick disconnects, so you can keep it connected to your rifle, or you can detach it and put it in your pack so you're not packing that extra weight on your rifle. Uh, once you set up into the tripod, the tripod uh, will swivel uh, so you can track your target if your target moves left or moves right. You can swivel right with it without picking up your legs and resetting them. Uh, the legs also are spring tension loaded, so you can put them wide, you can put them narrow, pretty much set up for any shot. And the key to being a good rifle shot is having a good rest, and Swagger builds some great rests. They also have shooting sticks. If you're more into shooting sticks than you are, uh, mounted bipod, you can check those out. Uh, but just some great products. Make sure to check out Swagger if you're in the market for a new rifle rest. Um, over at Eastman's, I finally watched that that new video, um, yeah, I'm happy how it came out. Uh, you know, there's there's always a few things here or there, but uh, I'm really proud. It's one of the best videos I've put out. That'll be dropping on Beyond the Grid here soon. And, um, yeah, we're just working away. I've got a new article I've got to get out today before I leave um, to Hawaii hunting. So uh, we'll get that one out. It's about uh, becoming a backpack hunter. Being a backpack hunter is such a huge asset, you know, in the wilderness, in the backcountry, and also roaded areas. Is is I use this as a real asset in my Western hunting, and so I'm writing an entire article on that. And uh, it's going to be a good long one with a bunch of photos. So super stoked on that. Be working on that thing today, and get that out. And um, yeah, also make sure to check out our Eastman's Tag Hub. Uh, are you wanting to take your hunting skills to the next level? Uh, this is where Tag Hub comes into play. There are over 800,000 data points on an interactive mapping module covering 11 western states and 7 big game species. Uh, Tag Hub also offers Eastman's Hunting TV, early access to Beyond the Grid TV episodes, exclusive member-only blogs, plus a member favorite are Tag Hub 2-Minute Tips. All this plus the long-trusted Eastman's Hunting and Bow Hunting Journals. This is the real deal package when it comes to hunting the West. You can save 10% if you use the code 22828 at checkout uh, for your Tag Hub membership. And with that, um, getting some work done, getting this podcast ready to release to you guys next week as I will be gone, um, hopefully stocking uh, Axis and Mouflon. Super pumped to go hang out with my good buddies and... Um, uh, go do some chasing with my bow and arrow. Go be in the heat. So it's going to be an absolute riot. So just trying to get everything taken care of here so I uh, can get out of town and do a little hunting. So uh, pumped for that. And, um, man, let's get into this podcast. It's a great one. Uh, Josh Jenny, I'm your host, Brian Barney. Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. Hello. Hey, Josh. It's Brian. 
Brian, what's up, bud? Hey, what do you know? Oh man, just uh, another day trying to trying to hustle and grind, you know. Ooh, I like it. Yeah, that's me too. Another day trying to hustle and grind. Man, it's been too long since we've caught up. I know. I was thinking about that uh, just this morning after you texted me, bud. Uh, I mean, it's been like two seasons past. I know it's since, been too uh, long. Yeah, two years. That's what yeah. I saw too. Yeah, but uh, I guess we got some stuff to catch up on then, you know. Man, do we ever. Um, yeah, you've been going for it. Uh, saw a really nice late-season deer come across my feed. Congratulations, dude. Thanks, man. Yeah, no, that was a sweet little kind of a kind of a bonus tag I, I got on that new um, that new Nevada uh, turn-back, first-come, first-serve system they did this last year. Yes. So it's kind of like a, I guess I call it the Hail Mary uh, tag just because it was the very last, you know, month of the year. <clears throat> and uh, it was just a perfect time for me to swoop up a, a tag, man. I got, I, I had like three weeks off of work because of the holidays and because of the weather. And uh, so it was just a perfect time to snag a tag like that, man. It was, it was right in, uh, <clears throat> right in the local unit that I live in too. So I was able to really do it some justice, you know, hunt it, hunt it pretty dang good. So it was, it was fun, man. Good for you. That, um, yeah, that turn back program, you had to be on the ball because it was like, as soon as they turned back in a tag, then it would come up for sale, but you almost had to be on that site nonstop to catch something like oh, yeah. that. What was your strategy? Oh, so, <laughs> so I, I guess you could call it a little bit of a, like an insider trading man i had uh so my i had kind of been on there on and off throughout the week just like you know since i was off and there was one tag that kind of popped up in the morning a couple times it was the same tag it was it was a late tag also obviously for i don't know a couple units over from where i live and i, I kind of passed on it i had it in my cart because you got to jump right on them when they pop up right and uh, I had it in my cart a couple times and kind of gave it back. And then my, uh, actually my stepmom had drawn that tag that I that I snagged, and she decided she didn't want it anymore. And so she said, "All right, I'm going to turn it in." And and uh, the system is is if within 24 hours they'll they'll pop it back up. And uh, so she went down to Nevada Department of Wildlife, turned the tag in. And I sat, I, I sat on that website for like, for several hours waiting for that tag to pop up, Brian. Like, <laughs> I kind of, in, in essence, it was everything I did was legal, but I kind of, I had that insider trading that it was going to be popping up, you know. Yeah, you knew it was coming. Yeah, I knew it was coming. Yeah, good for you, um, man. That yeah. um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like like a lot of your mule deer hunts have been in the early season, where this one was a late season. Man, those bucks are tough to kill in that late season, aren't they? Oh man, oh my gosh, yeah. All actually, that was my first um, late season muley hunt like that, um, and I mean they're just. I just found out I, I didn't find those big piles of bucks like you hear guys talking about. Um, we were getting a lot of weather, um, like hard during that that couple weeks that that season was open. Um, 
and they just seemed like they were kind of scattered about and uh we were having i mean we were having a hard time finding anything that was a nice mature buck you know it was not a easy hunt by any means you know so yeah it was it was difficult man and they 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 they're that snow gets kind of crunchy and yeah it's difficult for sure mm. i i enjoyed it though huh. so it. what were the dates on that hunt what it was it like a a post-rut winter range or was it more of a rut yeah hunt? yeah it was it was total winter range migration hunt it was um december 23rd was the opener and it went through uh january 1st oh wow so yeah. i ended up yeah i ended up taking the buck on uh on uh new year's eve so, oh wow yeah, yeah. cool the the post rut hunts can be tough like i know you know rut's a good chance to get those bucks um you know and and pretty much during the rut you almost got to beat the does or or the bucks are moving so much it's kind of like the blessing and the curse like you you find mm-hmm. bucks because they come out of hiding but then trying to kill them they never stop moving they hardly ever bed down which can be tough but that that winter range i've done a handful of those hunts as well uh well yeah, yeah, a handful of those hunts, I guess, thinking back. And, yeah, those can be challenging. So, you, like you said, the bucks can start to group up or bachelor herd up and be on that winter range. But, yeah, the biggest challenge is that that snow, that crunch will just kill a hunt. It's one of the toughest things about mm-hmm. late season with a bow is that, that crunch on that snow. Man, that makes it difficult. They just hear you coming. Yep, yep. And, um Aside of that, the other big access, uh, issue was the access, man. It was just, you know, moving around in that stuff. Um, you know, when you're hip deep snow is just absolutely grueling. And, uh, you know, it just really just really makes you consider where you're headed and really try to be ominous about your movements, you know, and your stocks and, you know, trying to, you know, hold tight to those those windswept ridges and all that stuff trying to be mobile on that kind of stuff but yeah those those snow drifts can just be insane and almost dang near untraversable you know <laughs> yeah dude it uh it's the worst it just has you dreaming of like dry ground and being able to get around again because that snow it puts like uh, such yeah. an exertion on you like i think it takes like the effort of three miles to go one mile in that stuff, or maybe worse, you know, if you're getting that real deep hip-like snow like that. Uh, but, yeah, it's a challenge all the way around, like, um, for your vehicles and accessing roads or just trying to get to the public land, like, uh, and a lot of that stuff is sketchy. Like, you're, you're gambling oh, your, sure. your, 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 your truck, which is, you know, for us guys, it's like one of our prized possessions. But, you know, we have those things to use them. But, yeah, you got to have, at least for me on the late season hunts, um, the sketchiest part of it is in the vehicle it seems like but uh i have chains for all four and and last year we got into a spot i hunted a late season spot and this was more like a rut hunt uh it goes november to the through the beginning of december um but it's gnarly weather conditions and then um we we made it to the top of the mountain up there and set up a wall tent camp in this really good spot in these rutting grounds that i like uh, but it was sketchy. I at one point my yeah. my truck um had my buddy Dan up there. He had his vehicle and I was following him out. And all of a sudden he slipped and almost went over the edge, but made it through. And I was right behind him. 
and then where I slipped in that same spot, my vehicle went over the edge. You know, it it uh, oh my God. one of those deals where we had to dig for a couple hours of just slick stuff, and I had to back out of the tracks and then cut in new tracks with the shovel, and um, uh, mm-hmm. it was just one of those situations where um, uh, it it really spooks you, like you can't wreck your truck down in the trees. I don't think the insurance company would be too happy about that. No. I don't, I don't no. even know if they cover no. it. They just tell you you're like four-wheeling or something, but it's a whole different set of challenges in the wintertime, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we had um... – we had some good truck issues on this time. So, so I, like I was saying, I live dead, like dead center of this unit. And, um, we've got all kinds of BLM around us. Great, great location to have this tag is where, you know, and so me and, uh, it was actually Christmas night. Uh, I decided to take my fiance out for a, like a, an afternoon glassing after we did, you know, kind of the family thing Christmas morning and stuff with the kids. And I took her out in the truck, um, to a spot where I had seen a pretty good buck. I don't know the day, day or two before. And, um, and I took her up in, it was up in uh, the junipers and, and, uh, everything was, was fine. A couple of days before when I, when I got up in there, um, but it had just saturated the, the snow and the water just saturated the, the, the earth. And I just, I pulled up into this spot where I had parked to get up on the glassing knob two days earlier. And as soon as I stopped rolling, man, my truck just sank to the frame in the mud. And, uh, I was way back in, in, you know, this BLM country where I didn't have self-service and, Luckily, my fiance Brittany, she had cell service, man, and I had two bars, and so I called my buddy Sonny that um, had been with me the day that we saw that good buck, and so he knew exactly where we were, and that that poor guy, but he's a good buddy, man. He he broke free of his family on Christmas night and and came out and was helping me. Him and his dad actually were helping me get that thing out, but he. Uh, we had the come alongs, man. I didn't have, I don't have a winch on my truck. So we had the come alongs out and we were strapping off the trees and yanking on my truck, trying to get it out. And, uh, we had it halfway out, man. And I blew a drive line. Oh, <laughs> no. so, oh yeah. So we ended up uh, leaving it there that night. He drove us home. And, uh, the next morning, we were, uh, we headed out. We got a bunch of snow that night. I mean, it just blizzard on, on Christmas night, dude. It, it snowed like a foot and a half and, um, headed out there the next morning. And my buddy's little, he has one of those little Honda Pioneer side by sides with a little, I think he had like a 4,500 pound winch on it. We were going to try to just, you know, just get the truck out of the mud. And on our way back there, we ran across a couple, couple hunters that were, back looking for deer they had um one of them had a tacoma that was all four bite out with the 8500 pound winch and all kinds of good stuff on it and then and then there's a forerunner we'd start stop talk to those guys and they're oh we can give you a hand so anyway we went back they we brought him back there um after getting one of them stuck getting in there and his uh the guy in the forerunner got stuck so we got him unstuck and then finally got up to a spot where we hooked the uh, Tacoma's winch to the back end of my truck. And we're finally able to get it, 
you know, get it yanked up out of the mud, man. But gosh, what an adventure. So then we just kind of, it was a Sunday and we just decided to leave the truck and keep hunting, you know, because it was Sunday and nobody was going to be open for some parts to fix the drive line. So we just kept hunting and got to it a couple of days later, man, after we had a drive line built and got the drive line on the truck and kept hunting, you know? <laughs> so yeah, I know all about that late season getting stuck. And <laughs> there's people stuck all over the place out there, man. During that hunt, there was definitely more snow than, uh, than we'd had the last few years in that unit. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, you're, you're, uh, wishing for the weather cause it gets the bucks moving and keeps them out. But then, um, you gotta be careful what you wish for, like gnarly conditions like that man it gets tough to get around and it's it's uh you know it's um one of those deals where you're trying to access and you're trying to hunt hard but you're also uh you're also trying to take precaution precaution that you don't wreck your vehicle or ruin your vehicle and and then that turns into your major concern like you guys like getting your truck out or not losing your truck or having to leave it for the winter or something like that mm-hmm. uh, so you really got to be careful and i think you got to build like a really good uh, truck kit as well, you know, having the chains, yeah. having the come alongs, uh, you know, having a, a a battery jumper. Like I remember, I did one late season hunt, and um, I drove. It was all the way down in New Mexico, and I drove all the way down there in my vehicle or whatever. And um, you know, I had a a pretty good kit put together, uh, but I ended up stopping my truck, and and luckily this spot where I camped was pretty close to civilization or town i was just trying to sleep for the night and then i was going to get up in the morning cruise back into this spot so i was kind of on the road i wanted to be in and then cruise that country you know first thing in the morning to get to the spot i wanted to hunt and um killed my truck and then uh got cold that night when to start my truck and nothing the battery's dead oh, you know and no. you're like in the you know i luckily i was close to civilization but a lot of times i could be a hundred miles from the nearest civilization and um when to use my battery jumper and and then that thing didn't have enough energy to turn it over so i'm just stranded oh, and no. i'm you know 1200 miles from my house i know no one down there and i'm by myself you know and so I actually had to flag down a guy from like one of those oil and gas wells and luckily, you know, he gave me a jump and got me going. Had to go buy a new battery, but those batteries, they they choose the worst time to go out. Like nothing had been wrong with that truck. It hadn't been starting hard or anything and then all of a sudden right on the middle of the hunt it wouldn't start, but um man, you really got to make sure you have a kit and you're prepared and then you have to make good decisions. Like if it's too icy, or if it slips off the hillside, like a if the hillside, like if you got to drive on a side hill where you can slide downhill, just got to make good decisions, you know. And even yeah. with chains and things, you can get yourself in a heck of a predicament and even lose your vehicle. And so, uh, like a lot of times, I'll park way before I have to, and then I'll just hike in. And so I'm hiking snowy roads and stuff. I think like mm-hmm. a snowmobile for some of that stuff, or like those side-by-sides with chains or something like that would sure be advantageous but you know a guy can only have so many toys or whatever you know but definitely right, for that, right, for that right. late season um man it, it can get difficult just to get to the forest or just to get to where the deer are like uh it, it is a, a an adventure and and we know like the the uh, dangers in the early season stuff we both do a lot of that but the late season it's like a whole new set of challenges which i'm sure you you know you found out on this hunt being your first oh, yeah. like real late season hunt 
Oh yeah, man. No, I, it was, it was an awesome adventure, but yeah, like you, I've had plenty of moments, um, on the early season where just, man, you're just, you're just back in the middle of nowhere. And, um, if you, if you're unprepared, you can really put you in a tough spot. I've always been paranoid about that battery going dead thing, man. I've, I carry it. Never had to use it. I, I carry one of those jumpers, but I've always thought to myself, man, I'd really be in in uh, up creek with a paddle, with no paddle, if I got a dead battery or whatever. I've had I've come back from, you know, the tra- onto the trailhead from being back seven days before a flat tire. I've, you know, I've come back. I had uh, one where I came back from the from the hunt with. I had gotten kind of hung up in the rocks and uh, I guess I had pinched the, the electrical to the transfer case and got stuck in four low. And I was, I don't know, eight hours from where I needed to be, you know? And so yeah, definitely the vehicles. I mean, we all love the backcountry stuff, but you, you kind of, so you kind of overthink that end of it and underthink the, the motive of the transportation part of it a lot of the time. Right. But yeah, that's it. Um, also, like having that snow shovels with you is, um, is oh, yeah. key. You know, got to have those things so you can dig yourself out. And it, it can happen. That's right. On any hunt, like the the bull I killed last year was an October bull, but we got this huge snowstorm where it snowed feet, and um, j- you couldn't you couldn't even make it to the mountains to start hunting. Like, uh, and and ended up uh-huh. just burying my truck in this snow drift and you know, digging for multiple hours and chaining up to get out. And then, um, uh, so, so you never know what you're going to run up against and you don't really think of those as challenges, but yeah, it's, um, it's a major deal, uh, on all of these hunts. And I do have like a better battery jumper nowadays. I've got tire repair kit, um, and a little compressor that plugs into the cigarette lighter. And I've had hunts where, you know, if you let your tires go too long and I get good 10 ply tires, but if you let them go too long, uh, where they're starting to get worn down, like you're just prone to those flats and things. And I've had it where on a hunt, I've had three flats on one hunt where I, I continue to fix those tires and blow them up. And, and if you got to run back to a tire store, like you can't really be running your truck without a spare. So if you get a flat and you put your spare on, you almost feel like you got to go into town and get that tire fixed. Or like me with the tire repair kit, I just fix it on site, fill it back up and I'm good to go. But, um, you know, that can ruin a hunt. Like in my early days, I remember getting flats where having to go back and find a tire store and get it fixed. So, yeah, just preparing for all this stuff, um, you know, because it can it can ruin an entire trip or whatever. But, you know, not only Definitely. those challenges, but getting close to that buck had to be really cool for you. So you talked about the, the crunchy snow. Like, man, fresh snow isn't that bad, but the minute it gets that ice on it, it, it seems like, you know, I've been on late season hunts before where I've had to pack it in for the for the hunt and just wait for better conditions because that, that ice, those deer would just hear me coming from 200 yards away. And so I had one hunt where I had to uh, adopt this strategy, and it was way away from my house. And this was another New Mexico late season hunt with a bunch of snow and um so my tactics for that one was is I'd spot the deer and I would never stalk a deer in the morning. I'd have to wait till afternoon uh, when the sun would come up and it'd warm up that snow and get rid of that crunch where I could actually get close to that deer. Because if I stalked anything in the morning 
after the freeze, it just makes so much noise that those deer would hear me coming. And so mm. uh, there, there's a whole different set of challenges getting close to those things. Like how did how did you get close to your buck or bucks in that area? Were you able to use wind noise? Were, were, did the snow get soft? Or what kind of tactics did you use there? Because, man, it can be so tough to get close to those bucks late season. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, it was just – it was, it was weird, man. It was, we were getting so much weather. We were getting, it was freezing and then it was warming up and then freezing and warming up and we were getting more snow and then it would warm up. But that day I had just gotten, um, some fresh snow than the night before. And so everything was pretty fluffy and powdery. And, uh, we had actually spotted this buck the, the evening before we ended up, uh, getting him dead but uh he was living up on this knob and we glassed him at last light um him and another buck that both looked like they're pretty good bucks we, we couldn't tell exactly what they were because i mean when i say last light it was last light uh, but we we could see the frame and we could definitely see they're better than just about anything we had seen yet on that hunt so we were we knew where we were going to be in the morning and uh the next morning I had my buddy Sonny uh, who had been pretty much there with me the whole hunt, which was, I think total, we had 10 days on that hunt. And, um, and then our other buddy, Tony was there that morning. So we were all kind of stationed in different sections, um, off of this, uh, big knob that this buck was spotted on the night before. And we were all kind of glassing different pieces of it. And, uh, he he ended up showing himself on the top after the sun was all the way up and I spotted him first and kind of radioed over to, to the, the boys and we put a, a stock together. We Basically, there was this service road that kind of went around the other side of the knob and um, just gave me a good, clean opportunity to kind of sneak up the backside of this spine and just come right over the top of them. And luckily, it was, it was super windswept up there, so the the snow is kind of that dry, dusty snow that just gets blown around a lot. And it was only about ankle deep. So I was able to just kind of get right up into his, into his bedroom without him even hearing me or knowing what was going on. He was, he was bedded under the, under the junipers and, and just put himself in a, in a bad spot for, for a guy to come up behind him. So. Nice. You, um, you crept, uh, you bedded him and then made your play from there. So he wouldn't move or anything. I love stalking bedded deer. Oh yeah. It's the, it's the best way of doing it, man. It's getting them when they're up and alert is, uh, not something that's worked out too many times for me, but it works here and there. It does work here and there. And sometimes that's what's necessary. Now on that buck, did you sneak in close and then wait for him to stand? Were you able to shoot him in his bed? Uh, did he hear you coming in and then get up and was alert, or, or how did that all go down? No, actually, yeah, I actually had a spot um, where I was able to just shoot him right out of his bed, man. He he took took it and, I don't know, went down probably 30 yards, piled up, man. It, just, it was textbook in that sense. It, um, it doesn't always work out like that, right, but it just – just for after 10 days of grind and you know breaking trucks and all that kind of stuff and just to have it all come to an end like that on new year's eve was 
was pretty sweet, you know. <laughs> Dude, that's as good as it gets. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a full effort. It's like one thing to draw these tags, right? And so we do all this um, uh, application strategy and studying up on units and what's good units and you put in. And it's one thing to draw a tag or even a good tag for that matter. It's a whole nother thing to fill out on that that tag. And, and, and even on the best archery tags, like uh, success rates are going to be, you know, 20%, 30%. I mean, you may draw one of the premium units where they're 40%, but that's still six out of 10 guys that are going home unsuccessful. And especially like on a trophy right. caliber buck, like that great one you harvested, like it's one thing to draw a tag. It's another thing to fill out on it. And I think to fill out on these hunts, like I've drawn some good tags over the years and even those hunts, they're never easy. Like, man, I got to grind on those things. It's never just show up and there's big bucks everywhere. You know, I haven't drawn the Ponsagon or I haven't drawn, uh, you know, some of these these super premium ones. But I've drawn some good units. And it just seems like um, the key is not drawing a good unit. The key is, like, building your hunting skill set so you can go to these new units, whether it's a good one or a mediocre one or an over-the-counter or a leftover tag. Uh, to be able to go there and, and be able to dissect the unit, be able to, to locate bucks, be able to put your stock together. But it's really like building your hunting skill set over the years, which helps you be successful. And there's, you know, I, I don't know how you feel about it on this late season hunt, but I don't think there'd be any way that you were successful on that hunt unless you built your skill sets in all these previous adventures, hunting mule deer and learning how to stalk and learning how to find deer. Like that's the reason you were successful, not that you had a good tag. Yeah, I would agree a hundred percent, Brian. It's, you know, we all have those moments, you know, throughout our, our hunting adventures or career, however you want to put it. Um, where we get lucky here and there. Right. But for the most part, um, the, the being a seasoned, um, individual that's spent a lot of time in the field, um, talked to a lot of people that have spent a lot of time in the field, done that research, like you're talking about, um, seen a lot of animals, looked at a lot of animals, studies of animals. I mean, all that stuff, um, basically sums up to, um, success. And I'm by no means, um, a professional, but I've definitely spent some time in the field and I definitely have the, uh, the passion that, that creates a, a really good persistence. And, and, uh, I just enjoy the, you know, the suck of it, you know, when it's not going your way, it's just, that's all part of it. And it all teaches you something. Right. And, that late season hunt for me this year was there's a lot to, to learn from that. And had I not, uh, you know, had the experience on other hunts that I have, I mean, I may not have stuck it out when, when I was getting discouraged for whatever reason, for me, a lot of it was not, um, lack of opportunity. It was, I was, I had kind of set my standards on a, on a higher caliber animal, this, this hunt. So, just wasn't seeing them right so i just had to keep that persistence and and uh just knowing that things can change just like that and they did you know so just that persistence man 10 days later you know or 20 days later or whatever it is for for a guy on a hunt you know if you really want it you've got to be persistent and you got to remember your tools that you got so 
dude, you said right, like a hundred percent. Like persistence is deadly, and and may be our biggest asset as Western honors. Like, uh, you got to be able to grind, and you got to be able to take the lows and shrug it off, and keep putting forth effort. Like there's there's um like what we love about it is it's so difficult. It's such a challenge. Like to arrow a buck, like it can be a multi year quest. Like it is no easy feat. But the only thing or the one thing we can control is our effort and our persistence. And yeah, it's, um, it can all come together in one day or one hour or in a handful of minutes. Like you just got to keep pushing, keep putting forth effort, keep glassing. And it, it is frustrating. And especially when you're in the moment, like it's easy to look back now at that 10 day hunt and say, yeah, we grinded and, and earned our opportunity. It's another thing when you're in that hunt and you've been hunting for five days and you haven't seen a shooter buck or six days or seven days and haven't seen a shooter buck like it. It wears on you mentally. You know, you you start wondering what you're yeah. doing out there or am, am I wasting my time like this is this is hardly even fun. This isn't what I signed up for. But like once you get the payoff and you've arrowed some bucks, you know it. You, it can come together. You know, in in one day or a few hours or or a few minutes, even for that matter. And so, you, you know, like the controllable is to just keep putting forth effort, keep theorizing. What's my next play? Where can I look? Just keep thinking that you can make it come together with one opportunity is all you need. Uh, that that persistence yep. like is one of the, one of our our biggest assets out west is just keep putting forth effort, just keep trying, and, and it's amazing when you get that attitude and you really believe in it. How many times things just come together? Like sometimes I'll be on a hunt that that dang near seems like mission impossible, where I think you know I'm, I'm going to keep putting forth effort, but. I don't know if it's going to work out on this hunt. Like, I just haven't found bucks or it's, you know, uh, uh, the hunting pressure, whatever the case is. But I'm going to keep theorizing, yeah. keep putting forth effort. And it's amazing, like, how many times it comes together, you know, which is, like, exactly oh, yeah. the case on, on your hunt and on a lot of your hunts, I would imagine. Yeah. Well, oh, man. it's So I've got this kind of, it's not really a joke, but a running little philosophy slash joke with one of my buddies, Tyler Cole. Um, and I made him a believer in this philosophy lat the season of 2020 when I went to Utah for, or Utah, I went to Utah for a, a general archery hunt, but I've got this theory that for me, and it's been this way for so many different of, of my harvest where it's like, it's a day seven thing for me. Like I always seem to get it done on day seven. And so um, like 2021 or 2020, for example, I went to Utah and had a hunt with my buddy and I kind of backpacked into this wilderness area or, or it was basically a border of a, of a wilderness. And I got back there, uh, it was about six miles and, uh, kind of went back there solo. My buddy was hunting at the trailhead. They had kind of, it's one of his local units. So he, he had some bucks picked out that he was trying to hunt and uh, I was just trying to go back in kind of that country that I'd been daydreaming looking over on Google Earth and all that stuff, right? That that wanderlust that gets us going. And uh, so I got back there and and um, it was just kind of a bummer on, on how much pressure was back in this country, right? I, I wasn't, it was my first uh, time in a Utah general unit and it was a, it was a kind of a 
uh, eye-opening experience on on how much pressure there is in some of that country, right? It was great-looking country, and and I saw some some pretty good bucks, but uh, you know, you get up on these glassy knobs, and and you know, someone left a piece of snack that was still there, and there was flies on it. So you know that there's people in the area, or you're glassing a basin, and at first light, there's a you know a guy kind of creeping through right, you know, where you're glassing, you know, that kind of thing, you know. And, um, so I kind of packed out of there and went out and hunted with my buddy, um, at the trailhead around day five, I think it was. And, um, I had had one, uh, stock opportunity on a buck that it was a sweet stock. just didn't work out. Um, it was one of those, those moments that the, just the bucks seemed to have that sixth sense that I was there, you know, and I came out on this little rock outcropping on top of this cliff i think i was like 50 yards above it and just like almost vertical man i was way up there but perfect perfect stock man just dropped right in on top of him and all of a sudden he just looked up you know i don't know if he caught a shadow or what but anyway boogered out of there and by then i was just kind of wanting to to get back and and kind of hunt some of those bucks that my buddy has been chasing around and um, so we went back and I actually helped him take a buck, um, out of the country on day, day five evening, he killed a buck, which was awesome. Cause that was his first archery deer. So I was super stoked to, uh, to be able to share that with him. And we kind of just did it old school and he wasn't too far back. We, you know, tied him up to a, a log and carried him out like a couple of Indians, you know, <laughs> so it was a fun experience, but, um, Anyway, so day six comes along and, you know, I kind of saw some nice bucks, didn't have an opportunity on them. And then day seven, my buddy came back after getting his deer down to the, down to town and to the processor and he comes back and he's kind of tired and day seven, morning of day seven, he's wanting to sleep in. I said, no, bud, you're, I was like, you're, you're, wait, you're getting up this morning. It's day seven. We're going to go kill a deer. You know, it's always day seven. So anyway um we go kind of day hiking into the wilderness a couple three miles nothing major um and we're glassing in the morning glass it's super smoky i mean we've had smoke so bad all the last few summers right um so that morning sun's coming up the haze of the smoke is setting in real good and we're kind of just making our way back to 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 base camp for the you know, to kind of get a game plan together, but we're glassing everything as we're going. And I glassed down into this little saddle uh, a few hundred yards off the top of the ridge. And there's a, just a, a lone buck just up feeding underneath a tree. And so we kind of watched him and he, and he went down into this patch of trees. It was probably, it was about an acre of, of a patch of trees, but it was kind of like connected to a string of trees. It was like, you know, those high country kind of benchy strings of trees. Yep. And so anyway, we kind of watch him and this is where like, you know, the plug, shameless plug to the Onyx comes into play where um, we, we basically marked the patch of trees where we thought he went into on the Onyx. And I just, I went down in there after him and I'm kind of moving along the upper bench above the, the string of trees, kind of getting into where, you know, within hundred or so yards where I thought I saw him. And, and man, I just, I dropped my 
dropped my my shoes and kind of put my stocking slippers on which that year i was i kind of went uh went cheap and and i was just using some of those jelly bottomed uh water shoes that the kids would use mm-hmm. <laughs> they work they, they worked man it worked anyway uh so i stopped in and and I, I was able to pick up some fuzzy antlers down in the trees, man. I couldn't believe that I was able to pick them up, but he was there. They were, and they were about uh, from where I was sitting when I first picked them up. They were about eighty yards down in the trees, and it looked like they were just kind of over the ledge to where if I got down in there, I could, I could kind of clear the the distance between that, the patch of trees that I was in and the patch of trees they were in, and kind of be up above them. Um, concealed by uh just topography right so i ended up making this slow approach down through this clearing and um i i just got right up above them man and and it wasn't super windy that day it was i don't know five mile an hour kind of breeze just you know steady in my face and i ended up Sitting, I was I was 32 yards off of these. I, I thought there was only one. It turned out there was a bunch of bucks down in this little group. And I sat I sat up above that deer for 30 or 32 yards, Brian, for seven and a half hours. Oh my god! And I mean, I talk about I was I was smart enough to bring a little water bottle with me, um, but seven and a half hours later, I had my my lips were sticking to my teeth like i was fire marshal bill man and i was i was ready for i was ready for something to happen man i was i and but you know we need those i guess those little bits of encouragement to stay that committed for seven and a half hours on the side of a mountain right because a couple times i had i had kind of lied like he got up and kind of switched beds and I, I didn't know if he just like had kind of fed out of the area, right? You know how so many times that happens, you're kind of sitting on a deer, they get up, but they're not in a spot where you can, you know, draw on them or whatever. And you think they sat that back down, but you're not sure, right? Yes. And so you kind of are just going off of faith that they're still there. And um, so I just kept that faith. And a couple of times I'd, I'd see, you know, some antlers start swiveling around and I'd be like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. So anyway, that's the kind of the bait that kept me, um, sitting there for seven and a half hours that day. And anyway, it's just like, I, I had had this, uh, this plan in my head of where this deer was going to feed out to. I just kind of, a you know, just based off of what I thought he was going to do, um, and I just kept arranging these two, there's these two trees that I figured he was going to walk out and kind of feed for the evening. He was going to walk out in between those two trees and, uh, the range was 32 yards. So I had my pin set 32 yards and yeah, sure as heck, man, seven and a half hours later, that buck got up, kind of held up in the trees a little bit and just slowly kind of made him his way right between those two trees, man. And he stopped and dropped his head like it first he kind of looked like he's turning around and was going to feed back in the trees and I was at full draw at that point and so I let off on my draw and then he turned again and just came back to me and I drew back and I just I mean just pinwheeled that buck at 32 it was couldn't couldn't have worked out more perfect man so yeah seven day seven on hour seven 
you know, killed that buck and what a, what a cool feeling, man. But yeah, that, I think that was like the fourth or fifth deer that I had taken in the high country on day seven, man. It was weird. It's a weird number. So seven's my lucky number for, for hunting bucks in the, in the high country, you know? Boy, I'd say, yeah, that's wild, man. Um, yeah, day seven. Um, it's crazy. You did so many things right there. Uh, it's it's so tough. Like seven and a half hours on a buck. Like it's one thing to say that or hear that. It's another thing to be that guy that's seven and a half hours waiting on a buck to stand. Every muscle in your body hurts. Like your brain hurts. Like we're not meant to be that patient, you know. Like it it no, takes yeah. every fiber in our being to hold still. And it does help when you can see fuzzy antlers or you know that buck's still there. But uh, even with that, it's hard. Like you, you come to some points in the stock where you're like, I just want this to happen or not. I just want this over with. Like something happen, either blow yeah, up out of here yeah. or kill him. But um, man, patience kills the buck, and good on you. Like you hunt them the same way I do, where you just get in close and you just wait. You keep that element that of surprise. Happen, right? yeah. Yep. And just wait for him to come out, and then, you know, you executed a precise shot, never gave yourself away, and that just just incredible patience, man. I mean, your legs hurt from kneeling on them, your feet hurt, your whole body hurts at that point, and, and then to, you know, control yourself and make that shot. And also, like you say, being prepared on the stock, like having a little water bottle that you tuck in your side pocket, like I have a little... 10 or 12 ounce water bottle that I'll tuck in my pocket on a stock, uh, yeah. having the right clothing too. I killed a buck, uh, in Nevada last year where, you know, we were in rain showers and rainstorms and stuff where, you know, I tie my rain jacket around my waist and try to get everything rolled up so it doesn't make any noise, but just having everything yeah. I need on a stock, I can't, uh, you know, I don't know how many times I've been on a stock where I'm in the shade and I start getting cold. And after a while, like, shivering. yeah, you're not going to be yeah. able to make the shot. And so just having like an extra sweatshirt, having that water bottle in your pocket, having your stocking shoes like you do, like having everything you need for a stock and knowing that it, it might not come together in the first 15 minutes. I might have to sit there for an hour, two hours, three hours, seven oh, hours, yeah. like in your case, uh, yeah. you know, but being prepared for that and then um, – being prepared for the long haul to wait it out and be patient keep the element of surprise i mean the other thing like with that with that you know like back to that persistence um and keep putting forth effort like um it, it's almost it's a mental game more than it's a physical game like uh you know we keep ourselves in really good shape uh so our bodies can withstand constant effort day after day but it, it, it's not like a sprint. It's just like this slow grind of continually getting your mind right to go, okay, this is what I got to do today. I've got to wake up early at 4 in the morning so I can make it to this spot. Like it's it's really easy to you know to start half-assing it and not putting for, forth the necessary effort. And, and once you start doing that, the hunt's over with. Like you're not going to fill out your tag. Yep. Like you start waking up late or – uh, you start looking mm -hmm. from the truck instead of hiking into vantage points or, you know, that's just the the beginning of the end. You know, like you, you got to just keep your, your mind strong and your mind right. Keep excited about the hunt. Even if you haven't seen a shooter buck for five, six days, it's like, well, where am I going to go today? What vantage point am I going to get to? And just uh, it, it just seems like that persistence is more of a mental issue than it is a physical issue. Do you find that as well? 
Oh, absolutely. Um, 100% mental, man. I mean, we've all had um, those moments where we feel physically exhausted. But, um, again, you mentally pulling out of that is what gets you gets you getting out of bed the, the, the morning of the success, right? It's, you know, every morning I wake up is like a potential morning of success, right? It's, uh, there's, there's no other way of looking at it. If you want to, if you want to taste the, the, the glory of, of your, you know, you got to wake up and just understand that, you know, that could be the, the, mo- the morning of the moment that just everything comes together and, and you're able to, 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 to find the success in the situation. And it's, um, mentally, um, if you're not able to just kind of keep yourself harnessed in, in the direction of the goal that you're trying to achieve, it's just maybe not going to work out for you at the end of the day, you know? So you got to have that mental, that mental grind and grit. And, and I guess you got to have the, the passion really to, to find a, a reason to keep that mental grit going. You know, it's the passion um, is part of that mental play. You know, you just got to love what you're, what you're out there doing. So That's it. The passion and the drive. And um, uh, yeah. you, you got to love the entire experience. You got to love the difficulties. And, 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 you know, like once you taste that glory of success, like you're talking about, you know, the payoff. And so then these, these hunts get easier because you know, it can happen. You know, the, the feelings of, a uh, of excitement and, and, a, 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 you know, you're just elated at the entire experience and you know, those feelings can come. All you got to do is continue to put forth effort and it doesn't happen all the time. Like sometimes you grind and you push and you give it everything you have and every day, every hour you have, and it doesn't come together. And, you know, you just log that in your experiences and and like we were talking earlier like um you build those hunting skill sets uh to where eventually you you turn the tide in your favor and you keep doing all the little things all the effort all the hiking all the vantage points you keep doing that and eventually it comes together not every hunt you're gonna have some failed hunts as that's just the nature of the beast but you know you just step up and the next hunt that comes up you're just committed to giving it full effort again and then Day in, day out, you're just trying to keep that mental strength, that that passion, and, and and trying to put forth that effort to make it come together. So, man, you're spot on. It's just like um, so so fun to visit like with other successful hunters that just have this same theory on the grind, the same theory on on persistence, the same mental edge to to make things come together because that's what it takes. It's like competitive in today's day and age. There's a lot of hunters out there that are that are are putting forth a lot of effort to try to be successful and um it's not easy it's yeah. like it's like so challenging to 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 arrow a great buck like you did and um it's it's just that is the key to it you know and it it's uh yeah, it's man. fun to hear somebody else like have that same experience so like i also saw that um you you cha- you were able to chase a desert sheep you had a uh you got a u tag and you were committed yeah, to killing yeah. that with your bow dude that's a pretty cool experience to get to hunt sheep right yeah, man. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's, it's, um, it's a sheep, right? It's a, it's a, you know, you, so a lot of guys kind of lift their nose at that, but, um, I looked at it as a, an opportunity to, to hunt sheep with my bow, man. And, and that's what I, that's what I took it as. So I did, uh, I drew a Nevada U, Desert Bighorn U, and that was 2020 also as the same year as that, um, 
that Utah general tag. So I had finished up that Utah general tag and then moved into scouting that sheep unit that I drew, um, which was, I don't know, three and a half, four hours from home for me. So it wasn't terrible to scout. Um, but I did, a. I think that was the biggest thing with that hunt was just the scouting man and kind of learning that um that animal at the particular season that i was going to be hunting it in it was super dry arid country as a lot of sheep country can be and um they are extremely committed to water um in those kind of situations and at that time of the year so that was the biggest thing i took from the scouting was was a i found a a water source and um and then b i found a water source that was being hit really hard by sheep and so uh basically uh that <laughs> archery hunt was was one that just came together like i mean just perfectly man i couldn't have couldn't have executed it in a better way. It was just like, it was, I, and I attributed it to the scouting, the days of scouting it. I went down there, I think three or four different weekends and just kind of took tabs on the animals. I had a couple of different places picked out that I was going to hunt for, you know, plan A, plan B kind of stuff. And opening morning, it just like, I, I put myself in an ambush situation and, um, and yeah, man, like hour and a half into first light, um, had a, had a U coming in and I just waited for it to come on into range, man. And just got, got it done at like eight 30 on opening, opening morning. It was, it was freaking awesome. <laughs> man, it's <laughs> like you pinwheeled one. that sheep too. And then oh, it, yeah, did your dad yeah. help you recover that? Or was he with you on the hunt? It was pretty cool to share it with he, your dad. He was man. Yeah. It was, that was like, that was what was most special about it was. Um, my dad, he's, you know, I guess mobile, you know, he cannot walk too far. He's got super bad feet. Um, he was, uh, he was a carpenter up in Alaska and fell off a roof when he was young and broke his back and broke both his feet. So he, uh, he can't walk real far for any amount of time. Right. So that was the first time he was able to actually join me on a bow hunt you know? And so he was kind of off on a glassing knob and he got to watch the whole thing go down. He actually was the one that called me on the radio, um, to give me the heads up that there was some, some sheep coming in. And, uh, yeah, man, it was just, it was a cool hunt, man. It was a kind of a, just one of those, I don't know, I guess you could, as far as a, it was a native hunt, but I felt like it was a, like an exotic kind of sorts, you know? And, and, um, yeah, just he got to kind of come down there and help me help me process the sheep, and then it, as we were processing the 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 ewe, you know, some some rams and some ewes were coming into the water as we were processing the ewes. It was crazy, man. I that was what I was saying. Like they were so committed to the water, it, it was just. I mean, I like to spot and stock hunt, but I, I also like to. Um, you know, play the the whole game of chess, whether it's spot and stock or, or ambush. And so I just felt like the the best way to to get the check made on that situation was to to pull the ambush and it worked out perfect, man. So yeah, I got to share that special moment with dad and got to check a uh kind of a to do off the, the bucket list to get a sheep. My goal is to 
to get a, a, a Ram obviously with the bow. And I was kind of, I looked at that as like a, it was like a, a morale booster for the fact that when I do draw that Ram tag, um, you know, cause we all have so many years of application generally putting in for those tags, you know, it'll, it, it was a huge confidence booster that I can, I can get it done with a bow and not be, you know, potentially, you know, wasting 15, 20 bonus points on it or whatever it'll be. Right. So, man, how cool. Um, yeah, I, it, it is, our life is like made up of these experiences and, um, I, I love to hunt mule deer as you do, like, uh, probably, you know, well, not probably, they are my favorite species to hunt. I love all the different habitats they take me to the different seasons. Uh, but in that same breath, like I love to bow hunt and these different yeah. species in different habitats, these different experiences, uh, they, they all go into building that hunting skill set, being able to show up at a new place and, and figure it out and come up with a strategy and then to be able to be successful. Uh, I think it makes you a complete hunter and a complete bow hunter. And so I'm always into to new experiences and I get so excited when I get to hunt something that I haven't hunted before. And I, I actually fall in love with like every species I get to hunt or for the most part, you know, it's like, um, whether Definitely. that's, Definitely. whether that's mule deer early season, high country, or whether that's uh late season during the rut or, uh, in the badlands or the breaks or it's all these special experiences, but then man, I love to chase elk in September and during the rut and the bugle. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I, I love to, you know, I've had the chance to chase goats with my bow and then, you know, axis oh, deer and yeah. mouflon sheep and Himalayan tar and uh, antelope and bears and like all these crazy experiences, you know, and even across the U.S., like um been putting in for Ibex for 20 years. I've never drawn that tag. I'd love to one of these days or Barbary sheep or like all of these mm -hmm. are just these these crazy cool experiences that are different in different habitats and all these animals they have different senses they um you know they you know like like sheep have such great eyesight and really rely upon their eyesight uh bears are nearsighted and they'll catch movement but you know they're more about like dialing in the wind and making sure the wind is absolutely perfect because they can smell seven times what a bloodhound can smell so it's like if you get one little whiff of that air wrong or you get your scent in an area you blow that big boar out of there and so there's like all these these specialty skills that it takes on these certain animals that I think go into building a complete bow hunter. And so, and, and I just love the adventure and the experiences of being in a new place. So I was like, so thrilled to see you draw you tag and take on sheep hunting because it is desert sheep hunting, which not many of us get to experience with our bow and arrow. Uh, but, but you did, you got to go scout that unit and put together a strategy and be in that dry, arid country and, and, and learn their behaviors and watch them and see rams and see ewes man it's so killer i i, I think that's yeah that for me is what really drives me in bow hunting is i love these new experiences and new species and new challenges man i it uh makes me yeah. feel alive same man and thanks for that um but yeah i looked at it as exactly what you're saying it was another it was another experience another another way to um you know, put more tools in the toolbox as a, as a bow hunter and, um, you know, get out in sheep country and see sheep and, you know, film sheep, take pictures of sheep. I mean, just be in the sheep. Right. And, you know, that's like, I guess you could call it a poor man's sheep hunt. You know, it was just, it was just, 
an awesome way to get out and and get in some new animals, learn some new experience, and like I said, just tune that bow, you know, skill set. I I have not, um, you know, I'm not against any uh, hunting is hunting for me, but I have definitely become very passionate about bow hunting, man. I've over the years, I've you know really tried to dig deep into it in any way I can. I actually took uh, this last year, it's been about a year now. I took a, like a second part-time job in the little bit of spare time I have um, working in a bow shop as a technician, man. And so it's like, I don't know. I just, any, any chance I can to get better at it and good at it. I'm just taking it these days. It's just, you know, the way to go next level, I guess is you got to, got to really dig deep and and find your you know your new ways to learn you know we get in the kind of a i don't know a cycle of as a as an archery hunter or even just an archer you kind of you start shooting and then you kind of get get into you know really digging deep into your setup maybe it's your arrow setup or or you just you know maybe a new bow every year but i kind of just felt like i had gone down so many different roads and I needed to kind of expand my, my skill set. So I did the, the next best thing was, you know, get a job to, to work on bows, right. Part-time. And that was, that's been fun. Super rewarding for me this last year. Learned a lot, you know, so. Dude, so smart. Yeah. You're right. Like, um, we got to be a student of the game and continue to learn and go down each one of these rabbit holes. And so, yeah, it's great. Like you, um, not that you have a bunch of free time, but now you're getting paid (laughs) to get an education on bows and, and you just get like, you get so much more knowledge when you're working on other guys, bows, you're in the bow shop, you're talking to other smart archers, you're taking in information and then just gaining that experience of working on bows and that confidence too. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, And really learning to be a good bow technician is really just doing it for years and solving problems, solving tuning issues, uh, solving issues like figuring out why a bow bow won't shoot and dialing it in. And, uh, you know, I've gone down that same journey and not working in a bow shop, but hanging out there a bunch, talking to really smart archers, working on my own bows, working on my buddy's bows, working my way through all these issues and learning as much as I can about uh, uh, archery and about the bow and the the tuning process, trying different things and go, oh no, that didn't work or no, it shot better like this. But just um, really diving deep into all the facets of, uh, of bow hunting, just like you've done, like working in that bow shop. I'm sure the the uh, knowledge that you've gained working in there uh, is, is going to directly affect uh, your success rate in the future. Like you just know your bow inside and so, out. Yeah. You know, man, it's it's so yep. smart to go down these these paths and really learn as much as you can. And that that goes for you know all the the necessary skill sets. I know you know physical fitness, uh, mental edge, uh, uh, archery skill set, uh, stalking skill set. Like there. There's so many of these facets that go into being successful, but the more time that you can do, like uh, uh, chasing down or going down each one of these rabbit holes, trying to further your knowledge, being a student of the game and constantly learning, constantly trying to make yourself better, like, man, that's the key to success, I believe. It is. It is. And I, you know, I, I've just, I've been one of those people, right, that is kind of, I guess you could call it lucky or maybe I'm not, uh, 
as diverse as, as some people might like to see, but I have chosen archery basically as my, as my hobby, right? It's, it's, it's the, I don't have, like I do go fishing and I do, and I do some other stuff, but generally speaking, um, like you said, I don't have a bunch of time, Brian. I'm like a lot of guys, you know, I'm a blue collar tradesman. I'm a carpenter. I build and I work a lot of hours. And so sacrificially, I, I took the second job, you know, with a couple of free time evenings that I have to, to, to in, indulge in my hobby more than anything. Right. Um, but that archery and bow hunting is my, is my, my hobby in general. So I've pretty much committed to like any, any free time I do have, it's usually going to be tied into my hobby and whether that's, um, you know, working on my bow, whether that's, um, my fitness and shooting my bow, it's all, or, or scouting for, you know, potential future opportunities with my bow. It's all kind of tied into to the to the archery lifestyle that I've kind of acquired and I just fell in love with, man. So it's I feel lucky that I have that one passion that's in in a hobby that's grabbed me hard enough to where I don't really have wanderlust in any other things. And maybe I'm missing out on stuff, but I just man, this last fifteen years that I've been doing this thing, man, it's just been it's uh, phenomenal how much it grabbed me and caught my interest more than anything has ever in my life. So it's just, why not embrace that, you know, and give it, give it what you got and try to get, like you always put it, you know, that master at your craft and, and uh, become, um, you know, just super lethal with, with what you got in your hands there, you know? I love it, man. It's uh you're right. It's a lifestyle. It's bow hunting 365. It's not just a one week season or a one week hunt or a two week hunt or whatever it is. It's a lifestyle, man. And it drives us like uh, I think we're the lucky ones. We found what we love to do and we have such a passion for it that we're willing to to change our lives and structure our lives around it. And Yes, we have other things that are extremely important to us. I know family is extremely important to you, as it is to me. Uh, but, but really, like with your story, if I remember right, Josh, like um, you know, bow hunting changed your life as well as it changed mine. But it it, it molded me into the human I am. It molded me into this this great person that I'm proud of who I am when, when I didn't have that, or, you know, I was bow hunting in the high school years and nobody's really proud of the, the human they are in high school, or at least for me, like I wasn't comfortable in my own skin, uh, you know, and I made some moves here and there that I, that I wasn't proud of that I had to improve upon, but, uh, really like having this passion for bow hunting, having this, this thing that's grabbed a hold of us, man, it's molded me in into a great family man a great in business great at bow hunting like all these different things just for my my love of this of this hobby that i have this passion i have for it like that i'm constantly working to get better and structure my life around it man but it's it's really molded me into somebody that i can be proud of and be comfortable in my own skin and not that that defines the person i am or that i base you know all my personality on bow hunting but man i just love it uh, I, I love it with, with every fiber in my being and I love working at it. I love improving at it. And it just drives me. Like if I have free time, like you, I am working to be a better bow hunter or I'm thinking about bow hunting. Like I just love it. And so, man, I think we're the lucky ones that we've found that and it's helped, uh, Agreed, give us a yeah. purpose or a cause. 
Yeah. No, I needed that. Like you said, it did. It did change my life, man. I was, you know, it just, I was lacking, I was lacking that passion at a point in my life. And when I found it, it was like the light bulb got turned on and I just wasn't necessarily even looking for it when I found it, but I found it. And, uh, it's, it's just been there for me. And like you, like you just spot on, man, just progressed into a healthier version of me by, by involving the bow. And, you know, there's all kinds of ins and outs I could go into of, of how I did so. But in general, I just decided to, to, to work towards a better me and it included the bow, man. And it's, I'm super thankful for it. And I'm lucky to have it. Like you said, I'm just, I, uh, I couldn't imagine not having it. And that's why it's like so important, you know, with all the, the, you know, the mentions of the, the health and the fitness and I get it, you know, a lot of people roll their eyes at all that, but it's, it's all a huge part in it for, for me and guys like us. And I want to be able to be doing this well into my, my older years and I'm not going to be able to do it if I don't take care of myself. And that's just the bottom line. So, you know, you don't need to be in tip top shape to do this. Um, but you, you kind of do if you want to do it for any amount of time. Right. So, um, yeah, I can't imagine a life without it. So I'm trying to take care of myself in the meantime and, and, uh, set myself up for the opportunity to be doing this with my, you know, my grandkids potentially, you know, so. Man. Yeah. That's it. Longevity, right? Um, yeah. Well, Josh, um, you're the man. What do you got coming up this season? Have you drawn any tags yet? Or are you still waiting for the draws man, to come out? I know you're so, waiting for Nevada to come out. You got a good chance there. Yeah, of course. I'm shopping at the bits in Nevada. You know, I'm getting up into the, you know, kind of the, the could-bes on some of those awesome hunts we were talking about, like sheep. You know, last year they, they started a new uh, – they opened up a new hunt for the desert bighorns where it's only for residents, but it's a archery only, um, hunt. There's about five or six units that they're putting out available. Um, they're, they're not the top units in the state, but they are units that you can potentially find a good Ram. So I'm, you know, I'm kind of up in the running on points for those, those hunts. So obviously I'm crossing my fingers on those, but there's no gimmies in Nevada because it's, it's a lottery, you know, but, um, I do actually have a late season, uh, a late season bull elk for Arizona that I drew, man. So right I'm on. Pretty, pretty, yeah, I, did. I, I drew. It's it's kind of, it was an unexpected draw, man. I so I've been putting in for deer and uh, sheep in Arizona for for several years. I'm kind of late to the to the show on the Arizona scene, but. Um, I drew uh, I drew an Arizona bull a late season Arizona bull with uh, with zero points so I just uh, I, I was I was not expecting to draw the tag but I'm I'm ecstatic so I'm stoked on that my my uh, my my Thanksgiving is spoken for this year now and luckily my fiance understands my my uh, my love for this stuff so she she gave me the green light to to get after it so so yeah that's so far the only one on the board. I do expect to have a tag right over the border from where I'm at right now. I'm right on the California Nevada border. I live on the Nevada side, but where I bought some property this last year, um, I'm kind of right. I'm, I'm up in this rural country and there's a 
pretty decent California mule deer unit that's right on the other side of the border of me, and I've got the points to draw that tag this year for archery, so I may give that a go just as a just kind of an opportunity hunt. You know, it's not known for giants, but there has been known to be some good bucks come out of there, and I'm like three miles from the border, so I so I should be able to to do a tag like that justice just with with scouting and time in the field. So kind of excited about that one, and then just we'll see what other um tags come down the pipe i've got tags in for application in utah so i've actually um after i drew i put in for the utah tag um just before the arizona results came out so i've got a fairly good chance of drawing a bull elk tag in utah also a limited entry with my buddy i put in as a party so it may be perfect where i have a uh, you know, a September kind of a rut bull hunt and, and then, and then roll right into that late season bull hunt up in, in down in Arizona. So we'll see, but, um, yeah, I could be busy this, this fall, but how about you? Yeah, man, that's a good thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've got apps in my season starting to come together. So yeah, ending up with some tags. So, uh, yeah, I got a late season deer tag. I've got my tags here in Montana and a good plan for those, uh, some big mountain ranges and um, kind of some different hunts that I'll be doing. Uh, um, so, yeah, I, I'm getting stoked, man. It's starting to come together, and I still yeah. got some draws yeah. that are going to come out. But, um, yeah, it'll it'll uh, I th- it'll be another full season, which is good, which is exactly what I want. But, yeah, you might have a, yeah. a, a an elk season coming up, man. That's awesome yeah, with that no, Arizona yeah. tag. I've looked at those late season tags it's just an awesome opportunity as everybody wants to draw the rut hunts but you can draw some really good units and and hunt that late season like around that thanksgiving and i love hunting post-rut bulls like when i first moved to montana i cut my teeth like I think I've been archery only for about 15 years now or so. But before that, uh, I was just looking for good bulls, and I got to hunt the bow and the Mm -hmm. rifle season. And so I gained a lot of experience and knowledge, like grinding in the late season for these post-rut bulls. And they're really high-pressure general units. It was with the rifle, but um, uh, I really enjoyed that and really learned a lot from it. And um, so those Arizona opportunities to be able to go into a really good unit or a decent unit uh, that has the potential for a good bowl and and be able to hunt it with low points in in some of those later seasons. And the success odds aren't as good, but they do have success odds. There are guys that fill out on those hunts and fill out on good bowls. And and it's really like right up your alley. Like it's like – a lot like uh like mule deer like and i i don't call the elk i i'm all spot and stock and so for me you know sure the rut gives me a better opportunity they're bugling the bulls are with the cows but but really you know for my spot and stock style the the late season like that late hunt in arizona uh would really fit my skill set pretty good which i think it'll fit your skill set really good as well so yeah congratulations man you got a good season yeah Yeah. thanks yeah and i'm stoked i you know it's it's one of those hunts, like you said, you can, um, you can, you can get that tag a few times in your life, right? Even though it is, uh, it's, you know, it's an Arizona bull, right? So it's not, it's not a gimme, but I, I was talking to a guy that, um, I got his contact info through kind of one of these, uh, tag research outfits. And, um, we were talking, man, and this guy's had that tag four times in his life already, and he's taken a bull on every hunt 
and he's never taken anything less than 330. So I'm like, wow, wow. you know, I mean, what a gem, right? I mean, it's, I mean, to be able to go back to a unit four times in your life and uh, be hunting bulls that are in that, you know, 300 plus category. I mean, you know, and of those four bulls he took, one was a 360s bull, right? So it's like, I, I mean, to me, I'm, I'm, I'm an opportunity hunt kind of guy. And if there's an opportunity to, to, to harvest something mature, I mean, I'm, I don't care what the unit number is, you know, it's, that's all just numbers on a piece of paper to me. So I'm gonna, I want, I want to be able to hunt units several times in my life to get to know it just like, you know, anything else. So I'm excited. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, man, that guy's killing some upper echelon bulls. And now when he draws the tag, yeah. he's got such good knowledge of the unit and has been successful yeah. four times over. He's beat the odds. So uh, he's definitely doing something right. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm an yeah. opportunity hunter as well. And as tags get tougher and tougher to come by, we have to be more and more creative to make sure that we're uh, getting to bow hunt each and every season. So um, I'm doing the same thing with my drawing strategy is uh, it's constantly evolving and changing and I'm looking for new opportunities. And a lot of these units that I've hunted in the past, like when I first started you know, traveling for adventure bow hunting, like, man, I could get some of the best tags in the country, you know, and they, I get them for zero to two points. It was amazing. But now some of those same tags are eight, nine, 10 points. And so, you know, I'm having to adapt and go to new places, but, uh, there's still great opportunity out there. Like, uh, uh, there's still a bunch of great hunts. And then also, you know, as tags get tougher and tougher, we're going to draw less and less tags. Like, uh, that's a given, but that means I can spend more time yep. on that tag I do draw. And I can really give it my yep. full effort in scouting and in hunting and uh, uh, setting my goals and ambitions for, like, the trophy caliber I want to harvest on those hunts. So uh, everything's always changing. We just have to change with it. And that's exactly what you're doing, man. Right. I'm pumped for you. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, I'm stoked. And, just uh you know to the to the point where the opportunity thing it's i you know like i said i was late in the game on arizona but it's it's become quite apparent um you know if you want to be able to go hunting you know every year and you but you want to chase quality animals you really have to and this is no secret it's um you gotta you gotta be applying in all the states you can you know and that's kind of what it's uh I don't know, I guess about six years now, I've finally been in the draw for, you know, about seven different Western states. And it's just, you know, the strategy is is to have points rolling in states that have points and you can kind of do this rotation, you know, you hunt your home state one year for deer and and then, you know, build a couple points or whatever if you want and then hunt another state the next year and you just kind of have this rotation going and I don't know. I think that's the way to do it these days. If you want, uh, you know, uh, just good opportunities to to hunt good critters and and have some fun adventures while doing it, that's just the way to do it. It's costly, right? It's you know, it's not cheap to apply in all these states every year. But just to to touch on again, if it's if it's your hobby, your passion, I mean, it's, it's an investment. So. Yeah, you can, any of us can make it happen. And um, you're right. It's like the best way as a blue collar hunter is to be able to rotate through these states, be building points. And it's not cheap. A lot of these states get you with application fees, with point fees, with hunting license fees. And so it is something that you have to budget for. But you're right. When you love it and when it's important to you, you set money aside. And I just know 
it's my best chance to ever hunt a sheep or it's my best chance like that like you know and i've traveled all over the country alaska hawaii and uh, uh all over the world too new zealand and different places and i love traveling and bow hunting but really the the coolest hunts the biggest adventures like like we have it in the lower 48 the the mule deer yeah. the elk hunts the you know these opportunities that are out there for us to to, to really research and figure out these self-guided hunts where you put all these effort uh, all this effort into to try to be successful man that's what drives me and really it's like it's like the the coolest shit around you know it's like it's like so fun you know and so yeah like you get on that program and you continue to learn about these states and about these units and um man it, it it's just a an absolute riot and such a fulfilling life we get to live but um josh man um, blast, can but... you can you believe like uh hour and 15 minutes already the conversation comes so easy with you like uh we got to make sure it's not two years before i have you back on the podcast I know, again, man. man yeah sorry man it's just busy life right and i appreciate uh any chance i can to 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 get a hold of you i know i reached out to you a couple times in the last couple of years just to to say hi and pick your brain on something but man yeah being able to sit down and talk with you is always a pleasure brian and i always uh enjoy talking to somebody like you so much somebody that i can relate to and and a good good friend man so thanks for uh doing what you do and and i appreciate you taking the time to 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 bs with me brother oh dude likewise um pulling for your success this season uh and yeah we'll we'll definitely keep in touch and uh won't be two years before i have you on again but yeah if you if you need anything uh, make sure to reach out and um yeah i appreciate your friendship as well 100% 100% brother. Yeah, same goes for you. You need anything. And let's, uh, you know, let's maybe talk about a hunt in the near future, man. Let's, let's get after it, dude. Dude, let's do it. Okay, done deal. Yeah. All right. All right, but We'll talk soon. All right, brother. All right, guys. That's a wrap. Fun conversation with Josh. I really like that guy. Uh, such a, a, a blue collar, do it yourself, great bow hunter. I loved hearing about his sheep hunt, late season deer. He's got some great tags this year. In fact, he drew a really good, oh, excuse me. He drew a really good early season tag this season. So um, it's a place I've got experience in that I hunted way back in the day. Uh, So not that he needs my help on it, but yeah, trying to give him some insight into that unit and where I found good bucks and trying to help him make a game plan, but super stoked for him. I can't wait to see what he turns up with his bow and arrow in this unit this next year. So uh, thanks again for him being on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Thanks again to our sponsors that uh, help bring out this um, or help me bringing you guys this content. So thanks to Cryptech uh, stepping up, being a sponsor on Eastman's Elevated. Again, I just have the best backcountry kit I've ever put together. Uh, thanks to Matthews Bows. So fortunate to have Matthews on board, um, giving me the best shooting bows. Um, really love that new V3X. It's um, it's the best shooting bow I've ever owned. Uh, every year they seem to outdo themselves, and this V3X is an absolute shooter. Uh, also want to thank Swagger Bipods. Uh, just making real well thought out bipods. Uh, they swivel with you, adjust the legs, quick disconnect. They also have shooting sticks, sticks. So make sure to check out them at Swagger Bipods. And um, man, with that, just uh, get this work done and um, 
I'll be hunting for a week. Uh, super excited for it. So uh, fly out uh, Monday here and then hunting all week and then return on Monday. So it'll be a quick trip, but uh, I think I've got five or six full days of hunting. And um, yeah, couldn't be more stoked. Uh, just got a good game plan together. Those guys are actually hunting today as the opener out there. Uh, so they'll be hunting. So excited to see the reports come back. But those those Axis and Mouflon... Uh, they're, they're just such a high degree of difficulty. They're so switched on and good eyesight, uh, that, that they take the, the utmost skill to be able to, to take and harvest those animals, but they're, they're high opportunity. It seems like in, in five days of hunting, you know, I can dang near get a season of experience that I would get out West, you know, where I may get three stocks for a deer on a hunt, you know, I can get three stocks a day out there or even more in that quality country. And so uh, it, it really speeds up the learning curve, uh, really helps me sharpen my skills here before the main fall season kicks off. And, and like I say, just an absolute riot, hanging with good buddies, hunting so hard, hiking good miles and, and um, exploring these steep lava rock canyons and um, uh, uh, thick brush, a lot of still hunting, and um, it, it's just going to be an absolute riot. Uh, I love bow hunting, and um, this is a great bow hunting trip, so uh, couldn't be more excited for that. I'll try to uh, capture some content, I'll capture some video, capture some pictures, and I'll be releasing to that to you guys here in the next couple weeks. Uh, try to do a story with a, a lot of videos in it and things of that nature. So um, not filming the hunt, which is a good thing. I really like filming and capturing these hunts. Uh, it's really fun to put down, but I also like a mix and match of just hunting too. Uh, being able to go out by myself and um, make these stocks and these plays on these animals is um, really fun for me. So that'll be what this trip is. So yeah. Uh, couldn't be more excited. I'm going to get my work done here, get this article done, this podcast out. i uh, got some work for Barney Construction to get done today, and it's a good day for it as it's pouring down rain outside. So I'll uh, get this work knocked out, this computer work, and then um, got pretty much everything laid out in my garage, but start throwing it in bags and um, hop on a plane and get after it. So pumped, man. It's going to be awesome. But thank you guys for, for all the support listening in each and every week, uh, giving support to the guests that are on here. It just means the world to me. Uh, so as long as you guys keep listening, I'm going to keep producing this this content for you and getting these good guests and hopefully getting you that pertinent information to make you a better Western hunter. So thanks, you guys. From the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate it. And um, man, with that, check in with you guys next week.